after that trip it was like there is no turning back this is the year I moved to Europe and a month after that I bought a one-way again me and the one-way tickets I bought a one-way ticket to Madrid and nobody was stuck in my move to Europe <laughs> welcome to the foreign or podcast we're about to get into part three with Sofia Bayon Hanman I am a Peruvian living in Spain or Europe at large let's say making this her third expat existence and the fourth continent to call home. I feel like a lot of people over the pandemic ended up going back to their native countries. And that return home is hard on everybody, but I think it's harder on some people. So you've done that return at least twice, right? Because you were studying abroad in the States and then you went back to Peru and then you were in Asia, and then you went back to Peru. So you did tell me a little bit what you were doing, but what were you feeling when you were back for the second time? Oh, what was <laughs> I feeling? Uh, I was feeling that it was only going to be six months that I was going to be back in Peru. Two thought processes probably going at once, or a conscious and a subconscious, no? Because even though I told myself, I am leaving for six months. I'll be back in China by the summer, finding a new job, like because I had quit my job uh, before returning home. Um, but you know, like because I had these Peruvian friends moving back to Peru, I took advantage of their container and sent my stuff also back to Peru. So even though I was thinking I'm only going to be back home for six months, I still like shipped all my stuff back. So parallel discourse I guess and then I got to Peru and at this point in time like my father tells me like there's this person you should send your CV to I think you would be an interesting match blah 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 and I got the interview then I got the job and then the plan of returning to China within six months never happened and then I was also like under the impression that because this job was promoting China-Peruvian relations, it would entail going to China at some point. It was like, okay, this will still take me back to China. And it didn't, no? Like, like I had been clinging on, for those two years, I had been clinging on to this idea of, I'll be back in Asia, I'll be back in China, I'll go back in China. But then when I did that trip, uh, to Hong Kong, but I stopped in Beijing before. First, it was like the pollution struck me as like, whoa, this, this is heavy. <laughs> it is thick and gray. Was it this bad and I didn't see it that badly or, or has it gotten worse, no? And then I returned to Peru and I started working on other things, getting other kind of projects and employment. And kind of, yeah, like when I first arrived from China to Peru, I didn't give the impression, but I guess people had the impression that I was a China-Peru expert, no? When I knew nothing of import-export or things that people would ask me about. Um, and I guess like I started getting myself involved in other things that interest me, uh, this whole like evidence-based policy making and promoting the work beyond one subject matter, no? be it in education or economics or whatnot. So when I had been in China 
working in a Spanish restaurant, being a marketing and PR manager. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I had this feeling of like, aren't I a political science major? Like, what am I working in the restaurant world for? And then when I was back in Peru, post this experience, no, I started doing more political scientist things. And then like just continued departing from that urge to return to China and also learning more about the like okay I don't want I don't want the podcast to be banned but you know like the more we learn about Xi Jinping or how he's right. handling the government what they're doing every five years like I know it's not the same as me being physically there and experiencing China for what it is like maybe it is just as amazing as I saw it back in 2009 10 and 11 but Yeah, I was under a different government and my experience was between the Olympics and the Expo. So right. it was definitely a China that was very welcoming of foreigners right? and to be in contact with foreigners and whatnot. So, yeah. Um, Can we talk about a point where you see this layering of your paths? When you think, actually, maybe Asia is not where I'm going to be. Maybe it's not China, but maybe Europe. Oof. Like, do you have a point where you're like on a mountain being like, fuck. <laughs> uh, the idea of going back to China would have been more of a work idea. I didn't see myself studying in China. Okay. But then because I became involved more and more in this evidence-based policymaking and being more in an academic environment, that's why I went back to like, hey, I've been holding this idea of studying a master's in Europe for way too long. I keep getting this work that I find interesting, but that I feel like I need a master's degree also to be like cooler. <laughs> I don't know. And then like I, I went on the 2019 trip and, and you and I met up and we had another amazing time together. But also, like, I was turning 35, no? And it's like, if I'm not doing a master's degree now, like, it's going to be too late. <laughs> no, it's never late to study. Disclaimer, it's never late to study. You can always get an education. But, mm -hmm. but I guess that, that number felt like, okay, it's been enough Decembers that I feel like time passed me by. And, when, and also the fact that, you know, like, Yes, I want to study in Europe, but Europe is big, no? And we were in the Netherlands, and that was the first time I had been in the Netherlands. I appreciated that English was a language that we could move around the country with easily. So I came back thinking, like, okay, I should try to look at things that involve the Netherlands. Mm. And, okay, here, this is the other trigger moment. When we were in that trip, Before I saw you in the Netherlands, I had been in Spain with friends from China, one of them being Mai, who was also not only a friend from China, but she's prior friend from college. Like we know each other. And she told me that she was getting married later that year in the summer. No. So I came back to Peru and I, <laughs> as we've heard me tell before I bought a one-way ticket to Madrid and I was like okay and I like in April I bought my one-way ticket for June 
to Madrid. I was like, I will go to those, this wedding no matter what. I will apply to this program. And if I get into the program, well, then I know what I will be doing after the summer. <laughs> if I don't get into the program, well, I better start looking for a job. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I went to the wedding and two of our friends were invited to the wedding, June and Josh. And we did this road trip together. And during the road trip, I got news from the university that I had been accepted to the program. So we were like, woohoo, celebration. <laughs> and yeah, that's kind of how the pieces fell in line. No, but right. Like you're making me remember that, that yeah, there was this trigger moment where I bought a one-way ticket. Like no matter what, the next phase of my life is in Europe. What were you planning to do when you got to Europe? You left Peru, you bought this one-way ticket, and you're like, okay, I'm going to study, and then I'm going to find a job, and then I'm going to, like, what were the big European dreams? What are? Yeah, I guess I thought, like, I, I will have this uh, great experience as a student. Mm -hmm. It will be amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, I will be back in the academic environment, which I had missed. And also, like, I guess I held on to the fact that I had been a very good student in high school and college. And Absolutely. it was easy for me to, like, pump papers out and read. And, and then, so, yeah, I thought, like, I will do this degree. I will do a thesis. And, and then I will graduate. And by 2021, I will be employed in some. It can be an institution. It can be an organization. It can be a corporation. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, but um, you would be in Europe with a master's working. Yes. Yes. No? And as we mentioned before, I have Italian citizenship. So I also envisioned like, well, this not only allows me to, to be here uh, without a visa or whatnot, but I also felt like I want to tap into the public resources that I have, that I thought I would have available uh, and and then that's when like reality hit, no? Like I get to the Netherlands, it's not so f easy to find housing. It's more expensive than I would have imagined. Um, insurance in the Netherlands is not public, <laughs> it's all private. Um, and I was not the good student I thought I would be. I wasn't having a good time juggling the house hunting plus like a consulting gig that had landed on my plate, which I was not going to reject because obviously it was work that would help me make some money and contacts. And yeah, like there were these huge amounts of reading that people like my colleagues were intensely reading and discussing. And yeah, I guess I came from a mindset of like, if you're in class and you participate, like, you're good but yeah. no like I needed to have done like deeper no closer reading and homework and studying and and yeah it was just and it had been to... I we don't need to count but 
you know, years and years and years. I think exactly it had been any, years. Anybody that has gone from like intense university study period to everything else in life, I mean, yeah, college well, is hard. High school is hard, and I haven't had to put the focus in so consistently for anything ever since. Outside of that, for me, it realm. made me aware of like muscle memory, I mm-hmm. guess. Because my brain was more prone to think about like, I should send an email to the coordinators of the program to coordinate this or this, Uh. or like, let's, wouldn't it be great to do this event? Because I have these people that I know that could, no, like, instead of fucking reading what I was assigned, my mind was like thinking events because that's what I had been working on like a few months back, no? Or yeah, like, especially like had in the US, like, all my teachers had praised my papers. Mm-hmm. You write so wonderfully. Mm-hmm. And, and I think like once I sit down and, and write, yeah, I, I like what I write. But, but it was, I was taking way too long. It wasn't being such great quality or mm-hmm. even not. So, and, and that kind of, that disappointment also affects you. Yes. And and then I was like, wait, my, my time management is out of whack, clearly. Yep. And then we had the pandemic. Um, and then came the move to Spain. Wait, 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 bro- wait, wait. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Because I, I also want to touch on just like this, this, the themes within, you know, having a big gap in your education temporally, going from intense academia to real life <laughs> back into a master's or higher education. And then, like you said, not falling into step and finding that muscle memory right away. That's one aspect, but then you have the other aspect of kind of expecting to be like college, right? Having a university life, having a bunch of new friends that are, you know, eager and smart and, you know, diverse. And there's all these activities happening of course, college in Europe is not the same. It's like a big university in the States, but you still want some of that vibe. And you ended up in Utrecht, living in the middle of the woods and stuck in a pandemic. So for all of this time that you were imagining your master's experience, I feel like so many of those elements were gone. And then really, what is it for? Well, I, I, that's why I was bringing it to Spain, because that's when I lost even more motivation and have had to start therapy. But <laughs> going back to the Netherlands. I mean, I don't um, want to bring it, bring it way, way down. I just think it's really important to, because I know that there are other people out there who have done this thing. Well, what I was going to say also, I wasn't the oldest, but there was only one more person that was older than me. But everybody else was 10 years younger than us, no? One more was like four years younger than me. But the bulk of my colleagues are 10 years younger. But then I guess it also means like how cool (laughs) that I can have these smart conversations uh, and, and also be in tune with debates that maybe I I wouldn't have registered just because of my age, no? 
for what I Abs know about. Now absolutely. I know about more things. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. On top of all of these things, once you find a house and once you do this project and once you kind of get into the swing of things of being a student again, then you find a job. Right. That, that, that's the other very interesting part of the <laughs> Netherlands to mention. Um, I also like it was a teachable moment because when I first got that consulting gig right off the bat, mm -hmm. because um uh, I, I guess I always thought that I would be able to work and study. And then I realized like, no, I cannot work and study, especially with a work task that demands like this much from my brain yeah. that I need to be spending in other things, no? Then, okay, well, then a few months passed. I ended up moving to the, to the house, to the dorm that was in the middle of the forest. Mm -hmm. Technically, that was in Seist and not in, um, not in Utrecht. That's okay, why I had right, to right, bike right. for 40 minutes in the rain. And this dorm was full of international students. <laughs> I thought you were going to say ghosts. But. <laughs> there, there were also some ghosts. But there were these international students and one of them had already uh, started working at McDonald's and she mm -hmm. was like, yeah, I'm sure they will hire you. Like it's right here. It was like a five minute bike right away. And, and I went and yeah, or I think I, you fill an online application, they call you, you meet the manager and they needed the people. So it was like, sure you're on drinks. No, like that's the beginner level is drinks. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Um, and when in your life have you thought that you would be working at McDonald's in the Netherlands or anywhere? When, they, when you realize they pay 12 euros the hour, include vacation and pension. <laughs> yeah. And, and because I was like, well, this is exactly the kind of work I need because yeah. it's going to be a set number of hours that I will know ahead of time what they are. And I just have to be on my feet making drinks and my brain doesn't have to be too spent, no? Right, exactly. Then I can go back and, and work. But my brain, <laughs> being my brain, I would like take mental notes of like, who, like, who are all the workers? Or yeah. why, why is the girl's uniform different from the guy's uniform? Why are some of the tasks different? No, and uh, I also, like, until that point, I, I had thought that like you would never get harassed in the Netherlands. But then it happened that we were in the drive. I was working the drive through window with a manager and like a car would pass by. They would say something in Dutch that I didn't even understand. And once they passed, she would tell me like, oh, they just like said you were cute or things like that. And I'm like, okay. Sorry, and there were you, what was the age range like in terms of employees? All of the ages, no? Like, okay, good. There were some fresh faced 18 year olds mm -hmm. or 16 year olds. There were some managerial level 23 year olds. And then you had like some, like, there was like the, 
there was the big manager that I had interviewed with, but then you had like these, not, not shift managers, but these other higher up managers. And they were from Morocco and they only spoke Dutch or French. They didn't speak English, no? So, so I got to practice my French. <laughs> I, I was like, I can't believe this you is where never... I get to practice my French. But thank God I knew some French because it was like, I would write emails, no? Like, dear, uh, I, I can't remember his name right now, but it's dear okay, manager, no? Like, mm -hmm. could you please schedule me in for this week? Like, I would like more hours to work, no? And, And my French was so fluid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, I mean, you're definitely there learning, uh, making a little bit of money, adding into your Dutch pension. Um, the world shuts down and you finish out your one year in the Netherlands kind of quietly. So you chose this program that also had a year in Spain. And you mentioned yeah. before like, it, that was built into your prior choice that you wanted to have the variety in the, in those two years even. And now looking I, back, it, especially during that time, it was so difficult to like just settle yourself the first time. And then you had to do it again. <laughs> I mean, it was just a confusing time to move countries in the middle of 2020. And it was surreal because the visa processes have been more complicated, no? And the mm. university here hasn't been as helpful as one would hope with like making sure you are in order with your papers. Right. And they sell you this idea of like, it's a binational program and like, it's so cool. But in practice and in paperwork, it's just very annoying <laughs> and tedious, no? Like, yeah. And like you said, it's uprooting When you barely got settled, you're already uprooting and, and moving again. So. Absolutely. And it's a little different as well, I think, because we talked about your, <laughs> your entry into the States. You were with your parents. Your parents allowed you five bags <laughs> of 35 pounds to like, start your life uh, as an international student. And the second time you you end up in a place with not a lot of support, you know, like it's just such a different ball game when you're doing uh, undergrad versus masters. I feel like they're just like, you should know how to do this by now. Yeah. Um, I think the themes that I want to hit on is like growing into your foreign or self and just realizing that it's like not as easy as when you're 20 something. And there are tangible reasons why. Yeah. Like, Because sometimes I look back to that moment of the Southeast Asia trip, like, how did I do that? How was I moving around cities with just my backpack? And it was amazing. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind. And stress-free. Yeah. yeah. And now I'm like, I don't want to buy any more stuff. And I'm constantly thinking of like, when am I going to throw all my stuff away? <laughs> Because the next move is coming. No, yeah. like, <laughs> I only have two or three more months here. The next move is coming. How am I going to do that? So we will hear from you again, but right now, because it's fun to ask for snapshots, are you going to stay in Spain? And don't worry, no. you can always change your answer. I mean, I don't know. It's like... <laughs> Sometimes I think I would, like, sometimes I have this feeling of, like, 
wrapping myself in a ball and being in Peru, no, and like maybe going to Peru is a good place to regroup. But um, I have the completely unqualified opinion that you have made it work and a year in each place is not long enough and you just have to like suffer and then it will get better. For sure. Like sometimes I'm like, yeah, I just want to find the one place where I know this will be my apartment for two years and I can really like set it up and then maybe even bring some more of my stuff that is in my mother's basement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like this imaginary nice apartment that I have in some cosmopolitan European city. But then I also feel like, well, maybe I did come to Europe to have this pan-European experience. And mm. I checked off the box of the Netherlands. I've checked off the box of Spain. I should go check off the box of France to use my French. I should go mm -hmm. check off the box of Italy because I'm Italian. <laughs> But um, no, I so, meant more of like, yeah, like living experiences, no? Like how fun would it be to, to woof around in a winery in France and do this or that, no? But then that plays on the whole, like, wait, didn't you just say you want stability? So, yeah. Um. And there you have it, Forum Fam, a cliffhanger from the queen of possibilities. We will be getting more Shifei updates in one form or another, so stay tuned. In the meantime, show her some love on her socials, subscribe to our newsletter, and wherever you are, whatever you are, You see what I did there? The cliffhanger? Get it? Hmm?